We're continuing our series and starting this new year called Surprise. And uh, if we read through the book of Acts, we see surprise after surprise after surprise after surprise. And so that's uh, where we're at. We're in the book of Acts. I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles, please, to the, gospel, to the book of Acts, chapter number three. We're going to look at three different verses today in the course of this message. So keep your Bible handy, whether that's a uh, a book or a tablet or a phone or whatever you're using, but we're going to look at a couple different verses. And we're going to look at the, ver- the, the subject today of healing. And when we come to the subject of healing, we're really talking about getting ourselves into the place where God wants us to be, in body, soul, and spirit. And so Jesus did not do a lot of teaching about healing. He really said very little about healing. What he did say We accumulatively put together, and it talks about healing. Jesus taught about healing, but very, very little. The best thing he did was heal. He just healed people. And he, I guess he kind of let us figure out how, when, where, why, and all that stuff. But basically, what Jim was saying earlier, and what I'm going to say now, is that God wants us to live in liberty. He wants us to live in freedom. We're in Acts chapter number 3. We're going to read the first 10 verses. Acts chapter 3, 1 through 10 says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, about 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth, let that sink in for just a moment. A man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day, let that sink in, every day, to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. He did not ask for healing. He asked for money. And Peter looked straight at him, and and so did John. And Peter said to him, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. That is incredible. He had never walked. He had never, and all of a sudden, he's not only just barely making it, he's actually jumping up and down and leaping. It's it's a phenomenal, phenomenal ministry. Verse number 9. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazed at what had happened. Healing is a benefit of liberty that Christ calls us to live in. He calls us to live in liberty And yet, Satan tries to put us into bondage and or keep us in bondage. And that can be both physical, mental, emotional, relational. There are all types of bondages that Satan wants us to dive into, and yet Jesus is always calling us to the higher ground. He's always calling us into liberty. And he has many ways of getting us there in every story Everyone's story is different. There are always obstacles to liberty. 
And perhaps the greatest obstacle to liberty is legalism. Some people view healing with a legalistic approach. What is legalism? Legalism is this is the, what we do and how we do it. Don't deviate. We think of legalism in past years many times in a religious setting of you have to dress this way, you have to act this way, you can't go here, you can't go there. If you go over here, that's wrong and you have to do this and have to do that. And we, and we think of legalism as that type of a structure and yet the, that's not actually legalism, that is a symptom of legalism. Legalism is when someone says, if I do this... I am guaranteed to get that. Legal. Legal. Legalism says, if I do this, I'm guaranteed to get that. If I go to the right places, don't go to the wrong places. If if I wear the right clothes, if I act a certain way, then I'm guaranteed to get something, obviously usually something good. Maybe if I act this way, then I'm guaranteed to get God's pleasure. And then, of course, reading the Gospels blows us away when those who have ill reputation come to Jesus and he gladly welcomes them and forgives them and says, hey, you're part of the family. Kind of blows us away, doesn't it? But wait a minute, the older of the prodigals said, I've been in your house the whole time. The father says, "Uh, yeah. There are two different types of, of legalism. One is a submissive legalism. A submissive legalism that says, well, I've, I've done so many bad things that God can't or won't forgive me. I've done really bad things, so God can't or won't forgive me. It is a legal transaction that has been developed in their own mind that says, I've done these bad things, therefore I can't really expect anything from God. And that is the work of the devil working in someone's life. There's also in a very assertive legalism. A legalism that says, uh, well, if I eat the right food, if I eat healthy food and I exercise, then I won't be sick. You know, if I, if I eat my protein shake and I eat my grilled chicken never fried and I go to the gym five days a week, then I will not be sick. It's, a, it's a, like a mental legal transaction. Or you could say, well... If I homeschool my children, they will always love Jesus and me. Okay? So it's a a legalism that says, if I do this, I'm guaranteed to get that. The power of legalism works in reverse. Because legalistic people are very set on, if I do this, I'm going to get that. The problem is that legalistic people begin to project that onto other people in the reverse order. By saying, oh, you're sick. Well, you didn't eat healthy and you didn't go to the gym. You see, it works in both ways. Oh, your children, you have one that's uh, rebellious. Well, I can tell you what you did wrong then. See, And that is when 
we, we really see the power of demonic influence working in people who are, who are innocent and don't even recognize and realize what's going on. We see the power and influence of a legalism that is debilitating and pushes people down and never brings them into liberty. Legalism can never bring you into liberty. But Jesus begins to just kind of blow this away, this attitude of legalism, and he begins to reveal it. When God reveals something to us, then it is our responsibility to then take action. The Holy Spirit's job is to reveal to us legalism and liberty, the legalism that Satan wants to trap us in and the liberty that God wants us to live in. He reveals that to us, and then we've got to make a decision about it. We've got to accept the truth and then begin to act on it, even when it is arduous and a little difficult and, it, and there's tension there. Because legalism generally comes from the teaching that we received or the people that were around. Sometimes it comes through family members. It is a structure and a culture. And God says, I want to break that and bring you into liberty. And there are times when people want to move into liberty and drag their legalism with them. <laughs> and there's always, there's always a war there. If you'll turn, please, to Mark, the Gospel of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew, Mark. Turn to Mark chapter number three, and we're going to read something that Jesus just shows us today and how it just really blows this legalism out of the water, revealing to us what, that Jesus wants us to live in liberty and not in the bondage of legalism. Mark chapter number three, we'll read verses one through six. It says, another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. And some of them, the religious people, the super duper religious people, some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. In other words, they already had an agenda. It didn't really matter what he did, they already had an agenda. We are not a Democrat church or a Republican church. We're a Jesus church, and the reason is we try and get away from the preconceived agendas. I just thought I'd throw that out there. This is an election year, and you, the enemy will try and suck you in to the dialogue. Stay focused on Jesus. They had an agenda. So they watched Jesus closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, stand up in front of everyone. No secrets here, no, no backroom stuff, right in front of everybody. Let's see what happens. Then Jesus, verse 4, then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. They remained silent. Could we send that portion of the verse to CNN and Fox and MSNBC? Just remain silent. <laughs> Just a thought. Verse 5. Jesus looked around at them with anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hands. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. And then verse 6. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might 
kill Jesus. Wow. Here are the really legalistic religious people called Pharisees, and here they're in the synagogue. Jesus is here, the withered hand, stand up, which is lawful to do on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil. Gee, we don't know. We're just going to remain silent. The man gets healed, and the end result to the legalism is what? we got to kill this guy. I mean, that's just like, what? That was what they concluded, because what they said was, you aren't following our rules. We have rules, and you're not following them. We have rules that if we do this, and we, don't, we live this way, then we will get that. God will be pleased with us. And God is, Jesus is saying, I've called you to liberty. I've called this man with a withered hand. I don't know how long it had been that way. I don't know the reason for it. He had a hand that didn't work. And Jesus says, I want your hand to work. And he just called him into liberty. Wasn't he really teaching about it? It was just, let's go. There are two types of rebellion. A rebellion like a prodigal son who says, give me the money, I'm going to go live it up. A a rebellion that is about leaving the family and leaving the church behind and living in open sin. That is a rebellion. There is also a rebellion of staying with the family and the church living in hidden sin. Neither one is preferred, but there might be a better taste in the mouth with the first one rather than the second one. Because the first one is open. This is who I am. This is what I do. The second one is subversive. The second one comes in behind and and maneuvers. It is a rebellion that says, I'm going to infect your grace with legalism. I'm going to infect your liberty with a legalism. We see many of the epistles that the apostles wrote, the disciples wrote, and they were dealing with this very thing. God's called us to liberty. And there were some in the early church who said, yeah, that's great, that's fine, but you still got to keep the Sabbath, and you still have to do this, and you still have to do that, and, you st-. and they were trying to move them back into legalism, back into the Old Testament law. And the writers of the epistles were saying, no, God's called us to liberty. We cannot allow a rebellion of legalism to come back and, and affect us. The Pharisees looked at the Sabbath as a box. It's like, we got we to gotta, we gotta squeeze into this box We've got to make ourselves fit into this box. We can't walk so many steps, and we, we can't lift so much weight, and we can't do so much, and we can't do this, and we can't do that. And we, If we'll just squeeze into this box, God will be happy with us. And the mistake that they made was they thought that the box was more important than they are. Mark, chapter number 2. Let's turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 2. Verse number 23 through 28. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as the disciples walked along, they began to pick up some heads of grain, and the Pharisees said to them, Look, why are, you, why, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He's saying that man is not made to fit into this box of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made to serve man, not the other way around. And Jesus wants us to know he's called us to liberty and not into legalism. He's called us to be free. And so Jesus is Lord, not only of the Sabbath, but of everything. Well, let's talk about liberty. Let's talk about the liberty that God has called us in. And I just want to just reference a couple of things. And then we're actually going to have a time where we're going to pray for people to receive healing. Let's talk about the liberty that God's called us into. We read it there in Acts chapter 3. It's what we started off with. Here's the man who's been crippled from life. He is asking for money. And the first thing that Peter and John tell him is, we, we, we're not going to give you any money because we don't have any. I don't know what was going through that man's mind, but maybe the first thought was, if you don't have any money, keep going because maybe somebody behind you does. But they said, we don't have any money, but what we have, we're going to give you. And what did he give him? Liberty. That was the thing that was given was liberty. He says, we see that God wants to set you free and give you liberty. And that's what that man received. In Mark chapter number three, what we just read with the shriveled hand, the man was not asking for liberty. The man wasn't asking for anything. There's no indication here that this man was like, heal me next, heal me next, heal me next. You know, like the price is right or something. Pick me, pick me. There was no indication of that. He's just there. And Jesus looked at the whole situation and said, I want to I bring you into liberty. I want to bring you out of bondage into liberty. In Luke chapter number 19, there's a guy named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was small. And he sees Jesus in a big crowd coming down the road. He climbs up into a tree so he'll be able to see. And as Jesus passes by, he looks up in the tree and says, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to your house today. Zacchaeus didn't ask for that. Might have been the last thing he wanted because he was a tax collector. That was a good way to get rich, illegally. So Jesus goes to his house through the course of the lunch and the conversations Zacchaeus's life is completely transitioned, and he says, I'm, I'm not doing this wrong anymore. I'm not collecting more taxes than I'm supposed to. I'm going to do what's right, and if I've stolen anything, I'm going to repay them times four. All of a sudden, that's liberty. That's liberty. You see, there's a liberty that sets us free from a withered hand, and there's a liberty that sets us free from a stingy heart, where all of a sudden we, we become liberal in what we're, we're willing to give. They say, I'm, I'm going to treat people fair, and I'm going to be a giver and not just a taker. I'm not going to be a hoarder. I'm going to be a giver. That's a liberty. Jesus in Luke chapter number 7. There is, uh, Jesus is walking into a city, and there's a funeral march. There's literally people walking down the street with a coffin. And he sees the mother of the man who's dead. She's a widow, and the man who's dead now is her only son. That's a huge problem in that culture and in that time. It's a huge problem at all times, but really huge in that time. Because who's now going to take care of her? Who's going to supply what she needs, money-wise? And the Bible says in, in there, it says, and Jesus' heart went out to her. See, that's, that's the real issue, is that Jesus' heart goes out to people who are in bondage. This woman was in a situation she didn't ask for. She, she didn't know what was going to happen. There's so many things about that that were completely out of her control. Jesus sees what you're going through. He sees what you're dealing with right now. And, he, and his heart goes out to you. 
Maybe you're in a struggle where there have just been things that you've not been able to overcome. You've tried. If I just go to church more and if I read my Bible more and if I pray more, all those things are great. But if I'll, if I'll just squeeze into that box, then I'm guaranteed to be free. And the whole premise is just a wrong procedure. Jesus is not saying if you fit into the box, if you do all the right things, then, yeah, then I'll set you free. God has called us to liberty. And we don't have to jump through all the hoops. We don't have to say all the right verses at all the right time, pray all the right prayers, be as positive as Norman Vincent Peale or Joel Osteen. We just need to love Jesus. He's saying, I want you to be free. I've, I've called you into liberty. So Jesus goes up to the, to the widow, and he says, don't cry. Don't cry. That's almost like Peter saying to the man, we're not going to give you any money. He says, don't cry. Sometimes Jesus has a word for us at the beginning that doesn't make a lot of sense. But if we'll hang in there with him, it's all going to come back around. So then he goes over to the funeral procession. He stops him. He lays his hands on the coffin. And he says, young man, stand up. He did. He raised the guy from the dead. Because he's calling this man to liberty and his mother to liberty. That's what God's called us to. Now, there's no one living in the complete liberty God has for us. There's no one that, that is living in the, the, the absolute complete physical liberty, emotional liberty, relational liber- liberty, mental liberty, all of those things we could have. There's no one who's living a perfect life. So you're in good company, all right? We're, we're in a good spot. But the liberty you are living in now is real. So don't go backwards into a legalism, but go forward into more liberty because God has more liberty for you. Galatians 5.1, let's read this. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That's good news, isn't it? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for the purpose of liberty. In another translation, that's exactly what that word, that word is used. It's liberty. It is for liberty that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Don't go backwards. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. There are people here today who have been hurt because of the words people that you love have said to you or said about you. And you have just kind of shriveled up, kind of like that man's hand and like the man who was kneeling in front of the temple gates. It it just puts you in a whirlwind. It puts you just in a spiral. And God is saying, I'm calling you out of that into liberty. You've been been there long enough or too long, and I'm calling you out. I've not called you to that. I'm calling you out of that. I'm not calling you to to live in in a life where you're afraid or you're wondering if you're good enough. You are good enough. Jesus died on the cross for you. You're good enough. Jesus rose from the dead to make sure that his promises are going to be enacted in your life. You're good enough. And he's calling you into liberty. The man in Acts chapter 3 that we began with is physically healed. But there are all kinds of other illnesses and disturbances and problems in people's lives. And God says, I'm calling you to liberty. I'm calling you out of all of that. Just as 
Peter said to the man, look at me. Look, look at us. Look. That's what you've got to do today. That's what I've got to do today is to look at Jesus and say, okay, God, what, what, what do you have for me? It's to look at Jesus. Today, right now, I want you to begin to say, you know, Lord, I want to, I want to look at you. I want to see you for all that you are and all that you want me to be. Lord, my, my idea is not to look at a church or a, a preacher or a, a teacher. I'm, I want to look at Jesus. Lord, I want to look at you. That's first. And I believe today God's going to reach out his hand to you, if you will, and, and he's going to help you get up. If you're here sick, I believe, God, I believe God's going to heal you. If, if there's disturbances in emotionally, relationally, I believe God can heal. Because he's called us to liberty and not legalism.